Welcome to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and today a conversation about a film that could win the Oscar for Best Picture, Roma, from director Alfonso Coron, about growing up in Mexico. It's filmed in black and white. It's a stunning, meaningful movie. Also, a full-on Disney musical. It's getting rave reviews as Mary Poppins returns to the big screen, starring Emily Blunt and Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. Roma is spellbinding and truly inspiring, as is the story of Rolanda Herrera of Misueno Wines in Napa Valley. We'll share his story a little bit later in the show. And for a joyful Mary Poppins Returns, we will have a little bit of an unusual pairing. Who are you going to surprise us? Specifically (laughs) related to the smiling Lin-Manuel Miranda. But first, Gary, I... I cannot get Roma out of my head. It we saw it a few weeks ago because right. you needed to see it for a, a screening, and I am since we sat in the theater and watched this film. Every, I'm just I'm still kind of awestruck. Every single frame has purpose. Every single frame has purpose. I'm, I'm going to get teary eyed probably a few yeah. times because rarely do we talk about movies on this level. It's like when you talk about wine that you love so much and the story behind it is so meaningful. But, oh, my God, I'm just going to say at front, too, that I think I think Roma is a masterwork. And how many movies can I call a masterwork? I'm, I'm just kind of thinking in my head right now off, off the cuff. Schindler's List is a masterwork. I think Saving Private Ryan is a masterwork. I think, uh, oh, I think Cinema Paradiso is a masterwork. Uh, um, uh, that... Uh, um, Das Boat is a masterwork. Uh, Wings of Desire is a masterwork. But I think this might be the greatest foreign language film ever made, even more wow. than Cinema Paradiso. I've got to think about this a little bit more, but it is a monumental work. So it's really a personal wow. project from Oscar-winning director Alfonso Cuaron. And he directed Gravity. Remember that film with Sandra Bullock? And they're up in space, and George, George Clooney. Clooney floats off and then comes back. <laughs> and what's that all about? And that, that movie's a tremendous movie. And he won the Oscar for that. But he also did Children of Men yeah, so with Clive Owen and, and Julianne Moore. And we love that film. He did a film that was great. I think it won the Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film years ago called E Tu Mama Tambien, which is a great movie. So this guy from Mexico makes great movies movies and and we're we're so he went back and and he started thinking about his childhood and this is um how do I call this I'm trying to use the right words but it's a memory poem and it's in black and white mm-hmm. so there's all kinds of hurdles of people watching movies first of all it's in a foreign language mm-hmm. it's in black and white that's going to knock out half the mm-hmm. the men in this culture that will not watch that film mm-hmm. and they're missing it mm-hmm. Because they're wrong. But I, I get also, it. I understand. It is also slow. It's slow. <laughs> it's, it's slow. It is. <laughs> and then when big things happen, the overall effect of it when you leave the theater is so amazing. Moving. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, I'm talking from a film critic's point of view. I might not have run to see this film when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I might not have even been on my radar. But but it's shot in black and white, and here's the interesting thing. Alfonso Cuaron not only wrote it from memory about his childhood growing up in a family in Mexico City where a nanny basically raised him with his mother who was divorced and where the dad left early. And he's got a brother and he's got, he's got siblings, mm-hmm. and they're in a, a broken home. Mm-hmm. And the nanny is this beautiful Hispanic woman, this woman from Mexico that lives with them and nurtures him and takes care of them. But they're upper class and and the nanny that lives with them. So you have this kind of upstairs downstairs thing going mm-hmm. on even even though they're all in the same mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. And there's a con- there's a condescending attitude towards all the people that do all the hard work mm-hmm. by the people who hire them to do all the hard mm-hmm. work. And that's part of the 
story. The story of the film. Mm -hmm. But it's really told from the nanny nanny slash housekeeper's point of view. Uh, because as he got older and became famous, he looked back on his childhood. And, and the women in his life are the ones who raised him. His mother, mm-hmm. who overcame a lot, and then uh, his nanny. And so this is the tribute to them. So it's told from a woman's point of view written by a man. Mm-hmm. And it all works. And it's really about doing laundry and cooking dinner, cleaning up dog poop. Mm-hmm. It's about you know going to the store to shop. It's about going to the movies. It's also about a revolution that was going on in Mexico City in the 70s where over 150 students were were shot and killed on the street and they're they're a part of that scene. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's about the the birth of an infant, a tragic Mm -hmm. birth of an infant. It's, you know, it's about riots. It's about going to the beach, but nobody can swim. So don't go too far out in the water. And it's it's, also there's this incredible sequence (laughs) because... You know, the nanny, and the maid, uh, who, who, by the way, is played by a, a woman uh, named Yalitza Aparicio, who's never acted. She has a great story. I think she was a school teacher, She's right? She's a school teacher. And, or her, like, day job was a school teacher. Yeah. And somehow she is now... Be she will become famous. Yeah, she's going to fight it out at the Oscars with Lady Gaga yeah. for Best Actress. That's how good she is, yeah. and how good the mother is mm-hmm. too. You know, it's not a, it's not a movie about movie stars. Alfonso Cuarón also uh, ran camera. He's the cinematographer and on the, his own movie. And that's how I think this film really, really, what really stood out every single frame and the whole thought behind it, because a lot of it is is a little. Wacky. It's yeah. it like really that they're doing that. Yes. Um, it is at times a little slow. Just the opening sequence of water being tells you that you yeah. you're gonna be in yeah. for. Yeah. I mean, it literally is so drawn out that that you have to to really yeah. Be in it. It's the opposite of the favorite, yes, which I love. The favorite, right? Where, where it just where, goes boom, 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 yeah. boom with dialogue. It's, it's, this is about real life. But there's so much thoughtfulness. There's so there's so you can tell the love and the respect and the and the appreciation that he had mm-hmm. for for this nanny. Um, and it's kind of that same, a, a little like the story that that we saw in the film, The Help, where you know who is actually raising your children, and mm-hmm. and then as the children grow up, you hope that they can appreciate it. I think this, unlike The Help, what you see in this is that true adoration for for this character. There's a moment at the end of this movie, without giving this thing away, because it's a slice of life movie, is uh, where the mother and the nanny and the children all hug each other and cry at the beach. It's just amazing sequence. And that camera just lingers on them mm-hmm. as a group huddle. The husband's gone. The boyfriend's gone. All kinds of things are gone in their life. And they have, they're, and they're, the men in this movie have not been good to these mm-hmm. ladies, these mm-hmm. women, and these kids. And they are in it together to solve the issues that they have. And it's, it's really a beautiful Beautiful moment. You could take that and make a poster of that and hang it on your wall. I think that every that frame is, in this film. I was going to say, but I think that quality. that scene is there is the actual poster. Yes. <laughs> is the, well, there's the, a, well, and the other one is her holding the, holding the child mm-hmm. in the car mm-hmm. uh, at the very mm-hmm. end. That's kind of the poster for this movie. There's a really scary, crazy, whacked out scene in this movie where the maid meets a guy and they and they go to a hotel room or his mm-hmm. room or somewhere. And have sex, mm-hmm. and it's 
the weirdest, mm-hmm. most interesting, because the guy is really odd, mm-hmm. and she's so sweet, and you want to protect her, and you can't. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to say this again, the men in this movie are not, not very good to the women. And that plays itself out in mm-hmm. another storyline that goes on in this. And man, that guy is creepy and odd. There is one scene, and I, I, I you know, I'm not giving too much weight, but I just love talking about this scene. So there's a scene where they go, they they go to a family home for Christmas, right? And and it's so not unlike homes we've been to. It, it kind of reminded me a little of <laughs> my Christmases, <laughs> but there, um, there's lots of cocktails. There's lots of 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 you kids know, and dogs running all kids around. and dogs running around, and it's a mansion. Lots out in the forest. of lots of of you know cigarettes and and coupe glasses filled with champagne, and and there's fire. And they all decide that they're going to fight the fire while drinking their cocktails. Right. And, and they're all dressed up for Christmas. they're all dressed up and they're like, oh, let me just throw the champagne on the fire. Hand me that bucket. They do a bucket line <laughs> to put out a forest fire. <laughs> but again, that's just the how every single frame has this very interesting yeah. purpose. The adults are all getting drunk. The kids are all running Run crazy. around. <laughs> And the nannies are all there to take care of. So you have this upstairs, downstairs things going on in the movie because it's all from her point of view. It's, it's, and they're all very wealthy. And then at one point, they all decide, the wealthy folks say, let's just go shoot some guns. So they take everybody out with their cocktails. They're drunk as a skunk. And they're just blowing up stuff. It's, um, and it's just wild. It, one other thing Roma, I really Roma appreciated about film. the film, it is foreign language, primarily yeah. in Spanish. But yeah. then there's also a lot of what they're calling indigenous kind of language, as right. well as some English. But because the Mexican culture is split up in well, all these and other languages. You know, I think that that's the other kind of beauty as we kind of then get into our parent. You know, I spent a little bit of time back in, in my Nielsen days of, of going down to the border and, and, and working with clients on kind of the border states like in El Paso and in Harlingen and Westlaco and Brownsville. And um, that's just the norm. You know, you have this true kind of Spanglish. And we used to kind of talk to our, our television clients down there all the time because they would tell us, you know, somebody is how people view television, how people go to the movies, how people talk to each other on the, you know, in the stores is through this kind of back and forth. And, and often they don't even know, like, it's so kind of subconscious that you're, if you're talking English or you're talking Spanish, you're, it's just how they speak. And I, I loved that because it was very obvious that, you know, okay, Spanish is the first language, but then when the nannies got together, it was always in kind of this, this, um, Mexican kind of Spanish. And then there would also be a slang to that that became another kind of language. And then um, I just kind of appreciated that because it gives you, again, a kind of an intimacy and a look into how, you know, the what life really is like. Yeah, and really what life is like in Mexico City in this movie. Mm -hmm. I think this is the big contender for Best Picture. It's going to fight it out with A Star is Born. And and either one would win. It would make me very happy. Mm -hmm. I I think this is a masterwork. This is an amazing film. I can't wait to watch this again. But we're gonna we're gonna turn off all the lights and turn up the sound and probably open some good wine that you might recommend now. So it's and just for um, clarity, so it's in theaters now. It's and in then theaters it's and it opens this week on Netflix. On Netflix as well. And so if you subscribe, this is that new thing that's going. on. So Netflix on. was 
part of the production behind it. So when the Oscars happen and it gets all these nominations, it's going to be Netflix's name at the Oscars. Nice. Isn't that amazing? Really, really fantastic. As as kind of mentioned, every film. What a what a movie! It just and I I just want to warn you too that it's rated R, so it's just not a thing that you grab the kids. It's not a kid. Hey, let's watch Mary Poppins and then Roma. It's not that movie. Yeah, not. um, But really, but wow, really fantastic. Let's talk wine. Um, So thought that it would be fun to pair with um, with a wine from one of my favorite Mexican producers. I think I've Mm -hmm. probably um, talked about Rolanda Herrera a little bit on the show before, but he is the owner of Mi Sueño Winery along with his wife, Lorena, um, from Napa Valley. Mi Sueño is basically um, Spanish for my dream and pursuit of dreams and, and think that just kind of his whole background of how he became who he is, is, is fascinating. He's the, the son of migrant workers that, you know, wanted a better life. They came from farming. That was his family had or has uh, farms in um, El Llano, Mexico, and um, a kind of very rural area of Mexico, but grew up farming, grew up farming everything from corn and wheat to pumpkins and squash. Um, and as a child, watching his grandparents and his parents' farm kind of taught him the first lessons about terroir, which is obviously the, the most important thing into being a great vineyard manager. Um, when he was eight years old, the family moved, his parents um, and his siblings moved to Napa from Mexico, really because they wanted to have a, a better life still um, within the agriculture community. Um, they settled in Napa Valley for a while. His parents then returned home back to Mexico, but he begged his parents to stay because he knew that he he could, you know, do more and, mm-hmm. and become more when he, um, as he was growing up, he got several jobs, including being a dishwasher at Auberge de Soleil. Um, wow. And then at um, Mustard's Grill, he became a line cook all while he was kind of going to school and getting his education, um, really, and I say going to school, like going to high school, right. um, working his way uh, kind of through. Then um, kind of what got him into wine was in 1985, he uh, was hired probably on a team of a few different workers by Warren Winarski at Stag's Leap Wine Cellars. And, you know, Warren Winarski is, is who he made the, the Judgment of Paris red favorite. He's a Napa Valley icon working yeah. with Robert Mondavi and made the you know first vintages of, of Robert Mondavi's wine. He's a, a master in, in wine in Napa Valley. And um, so he was hired to kind of build a wall for him um, around the winery. And then after it was completed, went to Wynarski and said, you know, thank you so much for hiring me. And nobody really had ever done that. And, and, Wernarski kind of just appreciated his gumption and his determination and actually kind of saying thank you and saying I'd like to do more. And so he hired him. And while he was still in school, hired him to, you know, basically be a cellar rat and then worked his way up to be the cellar master. I think he was that for around seven years. Wow. Um, That's, That's an amazing story. Going to school at Napa Valley College and then kind of after he got out of school, continued to grow within his wine career. He worked with Paul Hobbs for quite a while. Hmm. Paul also had worked at Stockleaf Wine Cellars, um, was winemaker at Vinecliff. And kind of as he was doing all this, 
started dabbling in making his own wine. And when he and, and his wife, Lorena, married, they uh, kind of started creating something on their own. Her family's also in wine in Napa Valley, um, the Robledo wines of Napa. I think that their family owns like 350 acres of, of vineyard land, something mm. like that within um, Northern California. And so the two of them kind of on a, as like for gifting kind of because they wanted to have something that they could, you know, give to friends or something. They, they made a handful of cases of Chardonnay and the late 1990s that eventually became their, their brand Misueño. It's like a resume in a bottle. Yeah. Wow. And, and, you know, then through, through that, they also kind of launched a second, um, a second kind of line or a second label uh, that is after all of, he has a kind of a premium tier of Herrera wines that are all named after their children, which I also yeah. love. Like he has a, one of his Herrera Chardonnays is just mind blowing. And it's named after, I want to say his oldest daughter. And, and like each of each one of the wines is the personality of, of his children, which I also love. Gorgeous, gorgeous Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon also has uh, an Eliano, and I'm so sorry for my mispronunciation of my Espanol is um, red blend kind of after named after his where he came from and his heritage and all of that court, you know, great Chardonnay, beautiful Carneros, Pinot Noirs, special, special wines from what I think, you know, kind of a, a really special, inspiring Inspiring story. Misueno is some of the best one it's I've really ever had. It's really beautiful. It's beautiful. And we've, we've tasted, and you know, he's also very humble. He also has this consulting firm, and he makes like, he has a, he's made a, a wine called Red Stitch, wine that's, I want to say, he made for, for one of the San Francisco Giants players or something. Right, because all these athletes. Athletes love him. All these Latino athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are, are all into his stuff. Yeah. And, Isn't and that he, cool? he hosts them. He, he doesn't have a fancy. A lot of baseball players. Yeah. He doesn't have a big fancy, you know, tasting room. He basically makes his wine in a warehouse and you can go there and kind of taste mm -hmm. with him. And we had a chance to do that um, several years ago. And, yep. and, you know, it's just, it's a fun story. And, and like I said, very, very humble and from humble means to be to become a really really what fantastic a, what a great maker. pairing i mean we have a we have a movie named roma that could win the oscar uh it could be the first film i think it would be the first film to ever win best foreign language film and best picture at the oscars i'm gonna to do some research but i think that might be the first and and it's a humble film it's a very humble mm -hmm. film from a nanny's point of view and then we have we have this guy who came across the border and grew up and made a great life for himself mm -hmm. and started making wine. But, man, that's a lot of years of work to get to mm -hmm. that point. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah, it's good stuff. When we come back on Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, Mary Poppins returns in the form of Emily Blunt, who arrives magically by umbrella to instruct and protect a new set of young children. It's a musical from the director of Chicago and Into the Woods, and we will be right back. You know, in our travels, we've had the privilege of tasting some of the most delicious wines from all over the world. And I can tell you that the barrier to drinking most great wines isn't the price, it's access. Yes, you know, Gary, wine access has been a true game changer, making it so easy to discover and drink some of the best wines from around the world. Like the 2015 Bishop Peak Tally Vineyards Elevation Red. It's from Paso Robles. It's a Bordeaux-style blend with ripe cherry, blackberry, vanilla, 
really great minerality and a nice kind of woody herb note on the end. Woody herb. You know, we know Tally actually more for their Chardonnay and Pinot Noir wines. And that's why making this, finding this incredible Bordeaux red has been really exciting. And what's even better is the price. It's only $25 a bottle. Wow, 25 bucks. Wine Access's dedicated team of experts taste over 20,000 bottles every year. They offer us access to their favorite gems, exquisite wines, even sakes that taste like they should cost so much more. Whether it's grapes from a family vineyard or a passion project from a legendary winemaker, Wine Access shares their full story for you of what makes each bottle so special and delivers both the wine and its story right to your doorstep. And we want to help you discover your favorite new bottle. So we've arranged this exclusive limited time offer with Wine Access. You're going to get 20% off these outstanding wines that are already at a great value. But to get 20% off, you must go now to our special website. That's wineaccess.com slash Cogill. For full details, go right now to wineaccess.com slash Cogill. C-O-G-I-L-L. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. And with a smile on my face and a song in my heart, I'm happy to say Mary Poppins Returns is just a wonderful film, starring Emily Blunt in the Julie Andrews role and Lin-Manuel Miranda in the kinda sorta Dick Van Dyke role. Yes. Listen, I think this is a good film. The original Mary Poppins, uh, we go back to with Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke, that film was monumental when it came out. It still sticks in my head. It was back in 1964. That film received 13 Academy Award nominations. And it won for, uh, in fact, a nomination for Best Picture. It won five. It won for Best Actress for Julie Andrews. It won for Best Film Editing, Best Original Music Score, Best Visual Effects. Remember the Penguin Dance and all that stuff? Best original song, Chim Chim Cherie. Chim Chimini, Chim Chimini, Sing it, Julie. But this one is called Mary Poppins Returns, and it's directed and produced by Rob Marshall. And Rob Marshall directed Chicago and won the Oscar. It's a great musical. As I say to men who say to me, why would I watch a musical? You can't really break out into song in real life, and I don't want to watch a stupid musical. And I always say... You want to watch Chicago because it's women in lingerie in prison, and they're dancing and singing. You want to watch this film. Oh, Gary. <laughs> but he also did Into the Woods, but he did a film we both uh, love. love, and it's called Memoirs of a Geisha. Oh. And, but this is Emily Blunt, who was in Young Victoria and The Devil Wears Prada. Who we adore in A Quiet Place. And she was in A Quiet Place, and I hope she gets an Oscar nomination for this and for that. And Lin-Manuel Miranda, who not only wrote the songs in Moana, or at least one of them. Yes. He, he created Hamilton. And he did Hamilton. The musical. He did In the Heights. He is, yep. yeah, I am love. Yeah. It's got Emily Mortimer from Newsroom. It's got Julie Walters and Colin Firth. Meryl Streep has a little cameo in it. Um, it's got, uh, I think we can say it because it's been reported, Dick Van Dyke has a little cameo mm-hmm. in it. And mm-hmm. so does Angela Lansbury. But it's set in the 30s, kind of depression area, London. It's uh, drawn from the original books, but it's a new story. Because Michael and Jane are grown up now, mm-hmm. and uh, I think so. Michael's wife is—he's a yes—he's a widow. He's a widower. Widower. Yes. So the brother and sister are around. So yes. I'm confusing. It well, first. and so yes, because you obviously need to keep the Banks children because it's not a remake of Mary Poppins. No, it's, it's a revisit. This, yes, it's a revisit to it, but it still has the key characters. It's key characters. So Mary Poppins returns, and there's new kids. So those yes. would be the, the, the little ones. Michael's there's, kids. There's yes. three of them, uh, and then Lin Manuel Miranda is not the Dick Van Dyke character because that was um, 
There were that was a chimney sweep. Chimney sweep. This one is a, a guy that lamp. He's a lamplighter. Lamp yes. And there's a whole bunch or of lamplighters. Or Leary. Or Leary. Yeah. And, and English slang in speak. In English slang <laughs> speak. That's right. Uh, and so there and are, he smiles the entire and time. And Lin Manuel Miranda smiles the entire time. And it's time. probably because he's not having to sweep a chimney. <laughs> and Emily Blunt can sing, and of course we know he can. He has kind of a rap song. In oh, it. yeah. And it's very cool. Yeah. It just fits everything. Kind of fits so they you know it's it's Mary Poppins returns with a different guy and the new set of kids, but the same kind of configuration and all new music still needs score. to save save the world. She has to save she has to save the world through the Banks kids. I know, and when you fly that kite up there, Let's that kite comes kite. back down yes. with a woman attached to it <laughs> and a party hat or a fascinator. A fascinator, yeah. yes. It's very British. And her and umbrella. Listen, I think this music score is great. Mm-hmm. I think this is I think this is the best picture nominee. I don't. I. I don't think this is a throwaway film. Mm-hmm. The more I think about this film, the better it gets. It's. It's a full-on musical. Disney's been doing great work. They've real. It's. It kind of figures out. Take a hat off to the work that Disney has done the last few years yep. with Cinderella and with Beauty and the Beast yep. and and Jungle Book and then to see obviously those were animated made into um, mm-hmm. live action. But this. This is. This is really really well done. There's a scene where it's an underwater sequence. It's a musical number underwater, and it's really cool. Yeah. And then there's another flying musical number. That's really cool. And and But every time I kind of attach myself to this film and I look at Emily Blunt, because it's really about the kids and, and about Mary Poppins, and it's also about the Mel Miranda character is a big part of it. But uh, the dad's really surly. Uh-huh. The dad's, you know, he's lost his wife yes. and he's sad. Michael Banks. Michael Banks. Yes. And so Michael, grown up Michael, is just, you know, Michael, we just got to get you moving forward. Yeah. We just got to get you and Mary but Poppins smiling. But he's lost his wife. Yes. yes. He, he's, he's a sad widower. And now he's, you know, and and how do you how do you function when you lose the love of your life? So that's true. And so the sister, uh, the other bank's child yes. that's grown up, yes. does she kind of have a crush on the Lin-Manuel Miranda oh, I think character? That's, I think that's the do beauty of... Do they make goo-goo of, eyes at each other? I think that's the beauty of this film is there's a little romance for everybody. Yeah, kids yes. grow up eventually and become adults. <laughs> you know what I mean. And I'm not opposed to that. <laughs> Happened to me. It's really... Uh, it, it's just fantastic. It's really well done. And there is. There's so much joy... It's in a time where just having a film that's joyful and and happy. I looked over at you, you were watching this film, and I know you looked at me about five times, and I'm looking at the screen, and I'm like grinning from ear to ear. I know, ear. My, my face hurt at because the end it's of this. Because it's, it's just, just, you know, despite the sadness of what's going through with the father and the family, it's just a real happy film. Yeah. It's a really, Because Mary Poppins comes and fixes it all. Yeah, but she fixes it all because in order to fix it, you have to fix yourself, and so yeah. you know that's yeah. the that's kind of the moral is that you look inside to that that's how you make everything all better. And it's not uh, remember back in the Dick Van Dyke one in the original one, it was like dirty England because there's soot coming out everywhere. Because that's that's again why Lin Manuel yeah. smiling is because he doesn't have to go sweep a chimney. <laughs> he doesn't have to sweep a chimney. He just run around and light the lamps. Exactly. Just get out the. It's kind of like the tiki torches. <laughs> Where they blow the conch. He's blowing the conch. And then they light the tiki torches at sunset. That's kind of his... That's his job. He's the merry old England version of the Hawaiian staple. (laughs) Um, Awesome movie. It should... That's good. Playing now. Yeah. It's another movie I'll see again. A perfect kind of holiday film. I think it's going to get eight or ten Oscar nominations. Just production design, costumes, hair and makeup. 
music, music, music score. Yeah. One of the songs or probably, you know, the place, it's the place where lost things go. I yes. think that's the name of the song. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. Yeah. It's neat. Yeah. It's well, and that's, there are, I think that the, of all the songs in the original Mary Poppins, the Toppins a Bag song, mm-hmm. um, Feed the Birds, I'm singing mm-hmm. a lot today. Yeah, you are. Um, I love that. Like that was the, kind of the the touching song, and there is something like that. I think also in this that you know, yeah. kind of the pull at your heartstrings. There's a lot of joyful kind of songs, but there's also that you know, look at your reality and. Yep, it's thoughtful, and it's also a huge, big orchestral yeah. score. Big, huge symphony score in this. Yeah, it's neat to neat to listen to. So, All right, he smiles a lot. He smiles a lot. So we're going to have kind of a different pairing. We've gone off wine a few times uh, in the recent weeks. But I I do. I adore Lin, Lin-Manuel Miranda. I think that Hamilton is, is probably one of the most amazing. You talked about masterpieces. I think that that every single... Every single note of Hamilton, every single word of Hamilton is thoughtful hmm. and and thought through. And um and also just really admire who he is and and his process and also his sense of community and giving back and and to those what's the saying, if you have great those who have great yeah, you have great responsibility to give things, back. Yeah. Then you have great responsibility to help, or you know mm-hmm. what you're given, you should give back. All of that good stuff. So um, he has been very, very vocal and very um, outspoken, as well as uh, very generous in helping the people of Puerto Rico um, since the yep. hurricane that um, Hurricane Maria that destroyed so so much in Puerto Rico. Um, what now, two years ago, a year and a half ago. Um, and so he has, in addition to being a, an advocate has kind of given both his time and his face as well as, um, quite a bit of effort in now rebuilding their coffee, um, production, uh, coffee was kind of the, the I think the Puerto Ricans um, have, and he is his family is from originally from Puerto Rico, though he is in New York. He has obviously very deep ties to the island, um, and coffee had always been a big product for the island. They, the the farmers in Puerto Rico have a have, you know have kind of a belief and a saying that at one point Puerto Rican coffee was was the only thing served in the Vatican to the Pope, and they are determined to to get that there again. Um, and it even before the hurricane had already, you know, kind of fallen off quite a bit just because there are so many, so many great places. We live on an Island that grows incredible coffee or come coffee. Mm-hmm. It's delicious, but it's, it's, there's a lot of competition out there. And, and so it was already kind of a struggling industry. And then you take this hurricane that just wiped out so much. And so, um, with Miranda as kind of the public face, um, they, the Hispanic Federation, which I believe was actually started by his father, wow. um, has come together with, um, companies like Starbucks and Nespresso and the Rockefeller Foundation to create a kind of five year long effort to rebuild the coffee industry and, and Puerto Rico. And that includes not only millions of dollars donated from all of kind of the above, but, but farming, um, equipment and, and seeds, both kind of, um, 
I don't know if they're def, de, actually like GMO seeds, but seeds that should be able to withstand mm-hmm. um, quite a bit as well as, you know, kind of trying to test out what kind of seeds will actually work the best to, to be the, you know, kind of the most um, effective in Puerto Rico. Um, and really, as I think the industry had always been and what they're hoping to rebuild again. It's not necessarily the big companies coming in. It's the big companies giving um, money and seeds and and equipment and such to the small workers because yeah. that's really how the industry had always been built. It was, you know, you had a small farm of, of, of coffee trees. Yeah, there's a few thousand, I mean, farmers. There that just lost everything. They just lost everything. And so yeah. it's kind of helping rebuild the the little yeah. guy that then, you know, would sell their beans mm-hmm. to the big guy. And then the big guy goes and takes it away. And so that's, it's not, it's not like Starbucks is going in and buying, you know, a, a you know, 10,000 acre yeah. farm and they're going to, to farm it. They're going to, you know, kind of help these local farmers and help them great. rebuild their industry to to kind of get back on the and I didn't know that coffee was a, a, that much of a big deal. I always thought of rum, Puerto Rican rum, possibly, yeah, but coffee because is there's a big deal. because sugarcane is, is yeah. such a, a hot commodity. But yeah, absolutely, Puerto Rican coffee has always been kind of a, it's like Colombian coffee, and yeah. you know I think that you we're know, just right. so used to drinking Kona coffee that that there are these other great places. But you think about how much sugarcane was was grown on the Hawaiian Islands at yeah. one point, also so. Yep. Island nations do well with coffee. So it's, I think it's very exciting. And again, I just love um, the generosity and the, the focus on get, getting, giving back and not just in a financial way, but no, we're, what is it? You can, you can give the man a fish, but if you teach, teach him, him to fish, to fish he can feed himself. Exactly. And so it's, it's, yes, you're giving um, financially is important, but you have to really teach these farmers how to re, how to, how to, yeah. how to re, rebuild their business. Well, it's it's like reestablishing agriculture because you have all this land that's wiped out. You know, all the roots are torn up. There's nothing there. And and you have just so much... Just stuff. Just stuff. I mean, the, the, the soils, like what of all of the... When you have a, a hurricane wipe out everything, you know, what does that do to the actual terroir? What right. is that? How is that affecting the actual, you know, the, f- the flavors that you're going to get? And can you even grow things? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I thought it was also interesting that all different kinds of beans are being um, kind of tested to see what might actually yeah, work that's the exciting. Best. I think it's very exciting. Yeah, because, I mean, they were making hundreds of thousands of, you know, bags, big bags of, of coffee. And then and that dropped drastically after all that. So the, just to rebuild that's interesting. Yeah. So here's what I love about Lynn Manuel Miranda. I follow him on Twitter and uh, and uh, he's constantly tweeting from the subways in New York singing yeah. songs. And he's making up stuff and he only has a like a new child and a new mm-hmm. baby and he's sleepy all the time and he's singing songs to his child. It's the coolest thing. Yeah. And the two people I think that have that jump out in my mind at least in our world that that I, I am so I get teary eyed I get so impressed with it's Lin Manuel Miranda about Puerto Rico, and uh, Chef Jose Garces mm-hmm. about feeding people and rebuilding, mm-hmm. and they're both constantly and then, and then David Bergnow from uh, from uh, the news from CBS is, is from CBS is constantly they're doing stories mm-hmm. about that because it's going to take that it's you just, have to continue the story just, otherwise somebody will forget about it. Well, and it's not happening through the government. And it's not happening. And it's like a fiasco. We forget that Puerto Rico is, is they're Puerto Ricans are one of us and we need to take care of our own people. So, and, and, and and I really appreciate businesses that, that get that. It's like they, 
I, I think we we saw that when the U.S. backed out of the Paris climate deal, and yet all of these big businesses said, "Okay, you can do this. We are going to continue to yeah. support it yeah. because we have to because this is our to. Earth, and we only have one. And if we don't save it, then nobody else will." Yeah, so. it's pro- it's really really profound. And by the way, he's great in the movie. Oh, and he just I think smiles. I think he's going to get I think he could get an Oscar I nomination for supporting actor. For I this. think that's fantastic. Wouldn't that be fun? Yes. I just want to see him and Emily Blunt sing at the I know. Oscars, just like I want to see Bradley <laughs> Cooper and Lady, Lady Gaga. Gaga. Sing it's going to be a great Oscars. <laughs> Next time on Kogel One and Film A Perfect Pairing, more Oscar contending films because they're just coming hot and heavy right now. But for more on our discussion today, follow our blog on kogilconsulting.com or through Facebook. Be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. And to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and I'm always looking for the next great film. I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. Aloha. <laughs>